You know, the other day somebody said to me, they said, hey, Pastor Brian, um, you know, I like your message and stuff, but I really get more through the worship. And I was like, that dude, that does not bother me at all because we receive the word sometimes through worship and we receive the word sometimes through preaching. So we're glad that we can minister in both ways today. You know, a couple of months ago, um, I had a real encounter with the Lord and, and I found out later that after... I had listened to different people around on podcasts and kind of what's happening in America. It seems like there is a word that went forth about two months ago where a lot of people were hearing the same message. It didn't matter what church you were at. You know, the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. But the word was going out of Ezekiel 37 that there was this valley and it was a slain army. And God went up to Ezekiel and said, can these dry bones live? And he said, only you know, Lord. And we know that the Lord caused those dry bones to live. But it started out with the first prophecy where he prophesied and he said, I hear the sound of the dry bones gathering. So there was a, imagine a, an army, skeleton and bones scattered everywhere. And God calling a prophecy in that place where there was a literal sound of dry bones gathering. I believe that's a prophetic word that God is raising up an end time church. Who wants to be a part of that? And I believe that some of you maybe have went through things where you felt slain or you felt despair or discouragement or like giving up or you're not uh, uh, going and, and processing and being all that God wants you to be. Well, there's a sound of the dry bones gathering. So that's what we did the first week. We, we talked about the dry bones being gathered. <clears throat> we talked about being saved, set free, and then we did two weeks of inner healing. And what that was, it was kind of a personal restoration or a personal re reconciliation, you might say. But we're going to take the next four weeks and hit the last two parts of that prophecy. The second part, he said, I hear the, the sound of dry bones gathering. And then it said, and all of a sudden skin and organs and muscles and tissues and, and anything you can think of, eyeballs and ears, everything began to come to this body. It came together in a body. And then the third thing that happens was there was a prophecy and God blew his breath into that army that had been slain. I believe that's a prophetic word that God is raising up an army in this land. And the second part where it talks about the sinew and the bones and all this coming in, the organs and the eyeballs and all that, I believe that that is a gathering of the body of Christ. There's been an attack in the last 18 months to divide and people had to stay home with COVID and stuff. People are out of the habit of going to church. People are out of the habit of gathering. But I'm telling you, there is a sound in the spirit where God is calling the church back into gathering. And when we come back in, we've come through some hard times this last 18 months, but there's a sound of some dry bones gathering and God is putting the church of Jesus Christ back together. He's gathering us together. He's putting us back together. Listen to this. Each joint supplies. Whether you're a liver, whether you're a heart, whether you're skin, whether you're muscle. We've been 18 months where nobody's kind of been doing their part in the body because they told us to stay home. It's time to get back into the church and get back into the body of Christ because there is a mission. Everybody say mission. There's a mission. 
There's a mission that God has called us to be a part of. The next three or four weeks uh, is going to almost feel like a workshop. We're actually going to have homework through the week where you're taking some testings, where you're taking some classwork. Uh, I'll explain that a little bit later. But I'm, I've asked God so I know that he hears and answers my prayer. Everybody look around. Everybody look around. I've asked God that 100% of people would participate. And I've asked God, even if you're online or you're here, I've asked for 100% participation. And I've asked God in the next three weeks to open up the eyes of our understanding that we may know the hope of our calling. How many want to know the hope of your calling? How many want to know what role you play in the end time plan of God? How many believe he's got a plan? Today we're going to be discovering why my, why my life mission is so important. Why is my life mission so important? Well, number one, because I was created to fulfill God's purpose. How many believe that? The Bible says the Lord made everything for his own purpose. Touch yourself and he said he made everything. He made me. He made me for his own purpose. I got to discover my life mission. And it's important because, listen to this, God planned my life mission before I was born. Look at the screen. It says, God is our maker. And in our union with Christ, he has created. Everybody say created. Created us for a life of good works, which he's already prepared for us to do. He has a to-do for, to for you to do. If you're watching online, I want you to put in the chat, he has a to-do for you to do. So we got to discover this life mission because fulfilling my life mission, number three, it brings glory to God. Who wants to do that? Jesus said, I brought glory to you on the earth. Anybody else want to join Jesus? By completing the work you gave me to do. So the way that we bring glory to Jesus is completing the work that he gave me to do. You know, I, I kind of think there's been a distraction I kind of think there's been, we've had to focus on something else the last 18 months. We've had to kind of get an inward focus. But God is calling us, and I say by the Spirit that he's calling us for an outward focus that we begin to get sight and lay on to what he has given me to do. And number four, because my primary task is to fulfill my life mission. Notice I said my primary task. You know, the Bible says the most important thing, Acts 2.24 says, the most important thing is that I complete my mission, that I do the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ. You know, everybody's life mission has two points. I want you to write this down. Everyone's life mission has two elements to it. There's a universal, there's a universal element in other words, there's an element that all of us have and we all have in common. If you have your phone, you can go to Church on the Rock Huntley and download that app and the notes are on there at the bottom if you want to look at that. This is all in there. But, but we have a universal element, what God commands all of us Christians to do. But then listen to this. There is also a unique element and that is what God has custom designed you to do. How many know you're a custom design? So the goal of the next four weeks is I want to challenge everyone to commit the rest of their life to sharing the good news with other people, and I want us to use our time, talents, and treasures for his kingdom regardless of what it costs. And then 
I want to join with Paul where he said in Corinthians that we make it our goal to please him. Who wants to make it your goal to please him? And Paul said that my goal and aim is to measure up to the plan that God has for me. So discover my life mission in the world. I first got to understand this, God's overall, overall purpose in creating the earth and human beings. You know, the Bible says we were all made. Here's the overall purpose. Here's the overall purpose of it all, is we were made, here's your feeling, to have relationship with God. You know, Elohim, when it says God created the heavens and the earth, Elohim means plural. It, it, it's, it's plural where he created the heavens and the earth, but then it says that God, then it says, let us make man in our own image and our likeness. The Bible says long ago, even before the world was made, God chose us to be his only, to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. And then it says this, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family by sending Jesus to die for you. So the first thing we got to understand uh, uh, why we're on this earth as hum human beings is we were made for relationship. When you look at all the beauty and you look at the places that you travel and you look at the things that you enjoy every day, God made that because he enjoys those things. How many enjoy a sunset? How many enjoy a waterfall? How many enjoy uh, uh, just looking at the creation? God enjoyed that. And when it says to share in his glory, he, he said, man, I don't want this just for myself. I don't want to just enjoy. The, anybody like to enjoy by yourself? There's a few introverts. But how many like to share your glory? How many like to share your goodness or share your wealth or share your prosperity or share the things that you enjoy? That's what God wanted to do. So to discover my mission in the world, in the world I got to understand God's mission. God's purpose was one, that we'd be in relationship with him. Here's the second thing, is we were made to become like Christ. So what's it all about? What's his overall purpose? Well, to be in relationship, and then we were made to become like Christ. The Bible says, for God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the likeness of his, of his son. And then another scripture says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in the mirror, we look in the mirror, and we see our flaws, we see our, the things we need to change. It says we are being transformed into the same image by the Spirit of the Lord. So when we look at God's overall purpose, one, it's being in relationship with Him. And then the next thing, God's overall purpose for creating us is so that we could become like Him. The third reason of God's overall purpose in creating us is that we were made, everybody say, to serve God's purpose. Serve God's purpose. The Bible says God made us what we are in Christ Jesus. He made us to do, to do good work, which he planned long in advance before we were even born. And then the fourth purpose of God's overall purpose in creating was, why did you create me, God? I want to be in a relationship with you. Two, I want you to become transformed into my image. Three, I need you to serve my purposes. And then the fourth thing of his overall purpose is how many realize that we are made to last forever? We're made to last forever. You know, our life on earth is but a vapor compared to eternity. Did you know that the scripture says that he has planted eternity in the human heart? This is his purpose, that when the time is ripe, Ephesians 1.10, it says that when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together to be with Christ forever, 
this life is a preparation for life in eternity. So we see, to me, before we can know our life mission, we got to know the purpose of the whole thing. Be in relationship with God. Become like Christ. Serve God's purposes and realize that we last forever. What good is it if you gain the world and you lose your soul? What good is it if you gain and, and, and gather everything you can in this life and have all this stuff, but yet we have nothing in eternity? eternity. This is a preparation for life in eternity. You know, the problem is, the problem is in this purpose, in this overall purpose that God has for us, the problem is this, is that our sin has broken our relationship with God. You know, the Bible says as by one man's sin, sin brought death upon everybody. So you're dealing with original sin, what Adam did, and you're all like, man, why do I have to pay for what Adam did? You couldn't have done any better. None of us could have done any better. Probably it all ended up the same. And then if you think that there's original sin, here's the problem. Our sin has broken that relationship. But then if you even think, well, that wasn't my sin. Adam did it. Well, Isaiah 59, 2 says this, your iniquities, your iniquities have separated you from God. And your sins have, have hidden his face. But aren't you glad that any time that there's a problem, that problem of broken relationship, God always brings the solution. He took the initiative to bring us back to Christ. You know, the Bible says that God was in Christ. Think about this. God was in Christ. God was in Christ. And it says restoring the world back to himself. So I'm excited about that. That was Jesus' mission. So to me, before we can understand our overall purpose, God's overall purpose in creating human beings, to me, we can't do our life mission. But before we look at our life mission, what does the Bible say about Jesus' life mission? And why was Jesus' life mission so important? And, and I believe as I'm reading some of these scriptures, I want it to be in your mind that I want to copy that action. Jesus' life mission was this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus' life mission was to seek out. To seek people out, to find people out, to go to them, go to them. You know, the letter was sent by Moses, but Jesus came. He came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus said, you know what? I know my life mission. This is, Jesus said this, this is why I was born. I came into the world to tell people the truth. See, Jesus' life mission, are you all with me, should be our life mission. He came to seek and to save those, that was, those who were lost. Do you guys know any people that are lost? Jesus' mission through you, seek and save the lost. He said, the very reason I was born is so I could tell. Everybody say tell. Tell people the truth. Jesus came because he said, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to bring people life. And not only life, but abundant life. So we see his mission is real clear. Jesus said, I've come as light to shine in a dark world. Think about that. I've come as light to shine in a dark world. You know, when I hear people say, oh, God finally got me out of this hell hole and I'm working in an all-Christian community. And if you do that, it's great if that's for you. But I'm like, man, what if, what if, what if everybody gets pulled out of the dark? 
We, we need to rejoice. Do you know that when I walk into a room that is dark, it isn't dark anymore because I possess the light. And Jesus said that I am the light to shine in this dark places. If we remove ourselves from our schools and from our, and, and from our workplaces and from our neighborhoods where it's dark, man, Jesus came to the dark so he could bring light. Think about that. Jesus also said, I must, there was a compelling in him. He said, I must tell the good news. So I challenge you, Jesus was seeking to say, he realized, man, I came into this world to tell some people the truth. Man, I came to bring life, an abundant life. Man, I came to be light in a dark place. Man, I'm compelled, I'm moved, I must tell people about the kingdom of God. Why? Because he realized people last forever. So we see all that and we say, why should Jesus' life mission on earth, why should that matter to me? That's what Jesus did, but why should that matter to me? I got some answers to that. Why should Jesus' life mission matter to me? One, if I want to be like Jesus. Anybody here want to be like Jesus? Amen? If I want to be like Jesus, my life mission must include his life mission. If you want to be like Jesus, your life mission, seeking to save the lost. I got to tell people the truth. I got to go shine in the darkness. I must tell people. I got to bring. If I want to be like Jesus, my life mission must include his life mission. I'm going to ask you, when's the last time you've been on mission for the Lord? Jesus prayed to the Father and said this. I love this scripture in John 17, 18. Jesus prayed to the Father and said this. In the same way that you have gave me a mission in the world, listen, I give them a mission in the world. Jesus said that about disciples. Are there any disciples out here? Any followers of Jesus? Jesus said, just like you gave me a mission, I give you a mission. I want you to hear the call today. I want you to hear the universal call that we are called to go do Jesus' mission. Here's the second way. Why should Jesus' life mission matter to me? Because Jesus expects me to continue his mission. How many has heard of the, of the Great Commission? When something is talked about in Scripture that's real important, like the birth of Jesus, uh, the, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the 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 power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whenever something's talked about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, to me that's an explanation point that God wants you to know this. The five great commissions of Jesus, Matthew said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command you, and surely I'm with you to the ends of the earth. Mark said, Church, you're to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. Mark said it. Luke said, with my authority, take this message of repentance to all people beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin if you turn to me. John said, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power once the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. It's a great commission. It's the, it's the universal. You know, we said there's something that 
your custom design to you, that unique thing, we're going to look at that the next three weeks, next week, the next week, and the next week. We're going to see what you're custom to design to do in the body of Christ. But something universally that we're all supposed to do is the Great Commission, sharing the good news. Well, what is the good news? What is the good news that we're to share? The good news about Jesus, but you know the best way to share about Jesus is your story is probably the best thing that you can ever do. What did Jesus do to you and for you? How many have a testimony? You, you have a testimony. You know your story is probably the most valuable thing. It's probably more valuable than quoting a bunch of scriptures that people might not even understand. Your story, because it's unique. There's no other one just like it. It's your personal story. It's easy to be understood. And here's, you're an authority on it because it was about you. It's hard to, and it's hard to argue with a changed life. People love, I'm telling you, people love to hear stories about transformation where God um, got into their life because they can relate to it and it builds that bridge. You know, the Bible's full of testimonies. You know, David, everybody know King David? David said this, come and listen, come and listen, and I will tell you what God has done for me. Does anybody have a story that you can say, hey, come and listen. Let me tell you what God has done for me. The woman at the well. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed him because of the woman's testimony. It was the woman's testimony. The man born blind said, man, I don't know any scriptures. I'm not like you Pharisees that have grown up studying the word. I don't know whether Jesus is good or bad. But I do know this, I was blind, but now I see. Anybody out there say amen. Peter and John said, we cannot stop telling. We can't stop telling about the wonderful things that we have seen and heard. So God expects me to carry out the great commission in telling people about Jesus Christ. And the way we tell people about Jesus Christ, the best arsenal, the best thing you have is your story. How many have a story about what God has done in your life? Amen? Here's the, here's the third thing. Why should Jesus' life mission matter to me? Third thing is sharing the good news is my responsibility. It's a responsibility. So you must, the Bible says in Ezekiel 3.18, this scripture used to kind of freak my mind. But Ezekiel 3.18 said this, you must warn them so that they may live. If you don't, if you don't speak out and warn the wicked to stop their evil ways, then they will die in their sin, but I'll hold you responsible for their death. You know, this is talking about taking responsibility for your world. When I found that scripture in Bible college, when I found that scripture in, in Bible college, man, I, I couldn't even walk down the street. I was like, oh, I need to stop this person. I need to stop this person. Because I was like, man, it's my responsibility. I got to tell these people about Jesus. And most of that kind of witnessing, um, you know, I've done, the, I've done the take the magnet and stick it on the top of the station wagon and get between three bars and play music and preach the gospel. 
I've done, done all that. I've seen some fruit in that. Uh, I remember my first year of Bible college, door to door. Me and my friend won 45, 46 people to the Lord, just going door by door, knocking on doors. Church on the Rock is here, starting in door by door, going home to home. I mean, this is a church plant. We got out there and we told people about Jesus. Well, I'm asking you to get out there and take the great commission that it's your responsibility to tell people about Christ. Now, so you, I was talking about some of those ways, and yeah, there is fruit. I've seen some fruit, but really the fruit's kind of minimal in those things. You really offend a whole lot of people and stuff like that. But hey, you're out there trying to do something for the Lord. The best witness is when you start defining your world. To me, it's your world that you're responsible for. Dad, mom, don't, don't send them to children's church and think you've done your Christian responsibility. It's your responsibility to teach them the word. We're, you're primary, we're secondary. It's your responsibility to teach them to pray. It's your response. There's a responsibility to your world. What is my world? It's the people you work with. How many of you work, have worked for years and not said a dogged thing about the Lord? How many have ever asked, how many of you have even ever said, can I pray with you about that? How many of you that your talkie is so horrible that if you do any walkie, they're not going to listen to you anyway? Because you got to get some walk with your talk. So clean up your walk because you speak, the, the Bible says your life is a living epistle read by everybody. I mean, you, people don't read the Bible, but they read your life. Clean your life up. Be a witness with your life, but also be a witness with your mouth. Anybody out there, there's a walkie and a talkie. Be a witness with your mouth. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, God is calling this church, he's calling this church to be a mighty army. And the universal thing I want you to get, we're going to get on your unique thing and, and your part in the body of Christ. But the first thing we need to do is we need to seek and to save and to go in the dark places and to tell people the truth and to, and to be compelled that I've got to tell some people about the good news that's happened to me. I want that to shake up inside of, I think it's lying dormant. When's the last time you won someone to the Lord? When's the last time you've shared your faith? You're responsible for your world. What's your world? I challenge you to, I challenge you to sometime today ask God who your world is. Is it a neighbor? Is it somebody at work? Is it a family member? Is it somebody you're coming in? It's your world. Hey, God didn't call me to win your world. God didn't call pastor to win your world. You win your world. You win your world. Uh, if part of when your world's just to invite them to come to church, then we're partnering together. And then I'm partnering with the Lord. And the word says we preach the, the word, the Lord working with him. And he confirms his word. There's steps. There's partnership. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. Why must Jesus' mission matter to me? Because, because Sharing the good news is my responsibility. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? 1 Corinthians 9.16 says, Telling the good, the good news is my duty. Something I must do. 1 Corinthians 9.16. And how terrible it will be for me if I don't tell the good news. That's NCV. Since I'm a Christian, this mission is not an optional. It's a given. So we see that. And then the, the, the next, why should Jesus' life mission matter to me? The next thing 
because sharing the good news, it is a responsibility, and I want to hammer a little hard on that. I think we need shaken up, shaken up a little bit sometimes about what on earth are we here for, okay? The second thing is, it, it, the, the next one is sharing the good news. It is a privilege too. The Bible says God has given us the privilege, 2 Corinthians 5.18, God in the Living Bible. God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into favor and to be reconciled to God. This is such a wonderful message he's given us to tell others. We are his ambassadors. We're called. We're called to the ministry if you've been reconciled. How many, reconciled means that you've come to Jesus, you've asked Jesus to be in your heart. How many says, I've been reconciled? The Bible clearly says, you that have been reconciled. Is that us? Are we reconciled? The Bible says, you that have been reconciled have been given the ministry of reconciliation. When you think of ministry, you think of me. Well, Brian's called to the ministry. No, we're all called to the ministry. I might be called to be a preacher, but you guys are called to be a reacher. Everybody's called to the ministry. So accept our calling to the ministry. It's a privilege to get to do that. Guys, it's a privilege to be able to share the good news. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, I'm proud of the good news. I'm proud of the good news. I'm proud of what God has done in people's lives because it's the power of God that he uses to save people. So that's the next reason why Jesus' mission must matter to me. And here's the next one, why Jesus' mission must matter to me. Because people are lost without Christ. You know, in the modern day church, it's almost like people um, encourage you not to say things like this at church. To where we've kind of, especially since I moved to the north, up in this land, you're like, ooh, you got to talk about things that are happy and things that God will do for people and, and how God loves. And we do that here. Do you all think we do that here that we, but guys, let me tell you something. People are going to hell without Jesus Christ. Do, do we care about that? People are going to go to hell for eternity unless they know about Jesus. We spend all of our wealth and health and time and energy for stuff that doesn't matter. I remember that came so clear to me. I was like, God, when I have kids, you, you're omniscient. You know everything. If, if they aren't going to be saved, I don't want any kids. You know, the Bible even talks about uh, in Matthew about uh, at the end times, man, it, it's that people think twice about having kids because you're like, I don't know what I want to bring my kids into. You know, it talks about that. But guys, it's a real fact. Like it or not, lump it or leave it, you, you, God wrote it. He's commander in chief. And there's going to be a dividing today where the sheep and goats are divided and where unbelievers and believers are divided. And people are lost without Christ. How many remember when you were lost? People are lost without Christ. So the reason Jesus' ministry... The reason that his life mission has to matter to me, I want you to see this Romans 10, 13 and 15. Look at this. For everyone, Romans uh, 10, 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
Are they used in different? Yeah, we'll use theirs. This is a different. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many believe that? How many believe whosoever? Does that mean murderers? Think of the worst sin you can think of. Does that mean all of them? It means all of them. Say all of them. Even though, okay, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Israel rejects the gospel. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How can they call on somebody that they've not believed in? And how shall they believe in him of who they've not heard anything about him? And how shall they hear without a drop the P and say reacher? Amen. How can they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach or reach unless they are sent? You guys see that? Let me read it in the one I had. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how, can, and how will anyone go tell them unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet of them, the messengers of Christ that bring good news. People are lost without Christ. When you walk into people's, when you walk into your world, how beautiful. You are a sight for sore eyes. How beautiful it is when you walk into a life of despair, a life of chaos, a family at the fringe of divorce, and the whole family ready to split apart. When you walk into a family that the husband's just lost their job and they don't know how they're going to pay their bills and, and they don't know how they're going to make it. When you walk in and, and, and you see somebody that has dependency on substances because they don't know how to cope or how to make it in life. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. I always like to tell this story when I say that. When I first moved to Chicago, it gets the point. There was a lady that had like 50 cats in her house. And they, she passed away. She didn't have any family. Nobody checked on her or anything like that. She passed away. Nobody loved her or anything like that would visit her or whatever. She passed away. The neighbors started smelling something. And they were like, man, we haven't seen Thus and So forever, and it's starting to smell in this apartment complex. The firefighters came, and they busted in the door. And here lied cages and cages of cats. Some skeletons with just skin on them. Some that had already passed. Can you imagine how beautiful the feet of those firemen were when they came and opened the cages and pulled those cats out? And began to bottle feed them with milk. Began to give them something to eat. Guys, that is the place of humanity. People just put masks on. I don't care if they're rich. I don't care if they are your boss. Everybody's undone without Christ. Everybody's lost. And if you don't have Christ, I don't care what you try to fill your life with. It will be null and it will be void. So their needs, sometimes we're like, oh, they, life, they got life by the handle. They have all these toys and they do all this fun. They go, they do all this stuff I want to do. 
They, they, they do all these things I want to do. They have these toys. Man, you wouldn't believe the, the four-wheelers they have. They got an indoor swimming, an in-ground swimming pool. Man, they got all this stuff. If they're without Christ, they're lost. They're empty. You carry something more valuable. Don't ever believe that lie that you don't have anything to give. You've got something to give. The Bible says that in our vessels we hold a precious treasure. We have a precious treasure inside these vessels. And we need to let this go out because people are lost without him. And the last thing is because God wants everyone. Why, why does Jesus' life mission matter to me? Because God wants everyone to be saved. Everybody, yes, there is a hell. Everybody look at me. Yes, there is a hell. Does Jesus want anyone to go to hell? He doesn't. He gave you a choice. He didn't want some puppets. Lift your hands now and praise me. You must give me your heart. You must serve me. No, it's a choice. Jesus didn't want a bunch of robots that were forced to be in a relationship with him. He wanted people that chose to be in a relationship with him. That's why Paul said, I'm a bondservant of the Lord. How many has ever seen that word bondservant? I'm a bondservant of the Lord. In the Old Testament, when you were a slave and you got set free after seven years, if you liked your own, the person that owned you and the person you were working for, then you could become a bondservant. And in brief, what a bondservant was, it was by their choice. They knew they could do whatever they wanted. But by their choice, they went and they put their earlobe on the doorpost, on a doorpost of a door. And they took and they pierced their ear and they put an earring in their ear. And it said, I'm here by choice. I'm a servant of righteousness. I'm a servant of Christ. I'm not made to. I'm here by choice. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. Isaiah 45, 22 says, invite the whole world to turn to me. I want them to be saved. I am the only God. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, towards the bottom of it, it says he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. 1 Timothy 2, 4, write that one down. First, God wants all people. NIV wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So why should Jesus' life mission matter to me? Well, if I want to be like Jesus, my life mission must include his life mission. Two, I got to continue his mission. Three, it's my responsibility. Four, it's my privilege. Five, people are lost without Christ. Six, because God wants everyone to be saved. Now that we know all about this, what's your response? What's your response to this message? Do you want your life mission to be his life mission? Now that we've heard all this, Acts 2, Acts 20, 24 says this so clear. Paul said this. He said, I want to carry out the mission that I received of the Lord Jesus. The mission of testifying of the good news of God's kindness. Can I ask you with a raising of hand, who wants to carry out the mission?